Hello to all of you unconventional conventionists out there. Welcome to Rocky Talkie. It's podcast all about everything and anything Rocky Horror. I'm Aaron. I'm I'm John. I'm Jacob. All right, guys. We got 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 the three of us back together this week. That's great. Uh, before we get started, we're going to do the thing. How you been? How's your week been? You guys do anything fun this week? John, what were you up to? Uh, well, I am officially home from San Diego from TwitchCon, so that was super fun. My feet are still in pain. <laughs> How? I was on my feet for, I think I walked an average of like 9 or 10 miles a day when I was in San Diego between the convention Traveling around San Diego, I went to the San Diego Zoo, which is criminally expensive, by the way. Really? Uh, I went, yeah. Uh, how so, much was like, it? well, like, take a guess. Like, how much do you think a zoo is? Like a like a daily pass to go to the zoo? I think twenty like, bucks. Yeah, fifteen to twenty five dollars. I'd be like, yeah, this is right. Okay, the San Diego Zoo is sixty four dollars on an off day. Oh my goodness! <laughs> do I get to ride the gorillas? Like, no, for real, right? Okay, but in its fairness, uh, we actually were there for seven hours straight, and we were able to see everything. So, like, I think it was actually kind of worth it, but I will admit that when we got to the front gate, and they were like, okay, it's $64. Me and my friend looked at each other like, do the orangutans suck my dick? <laughs> you better I'm have here? the biggest like, giraffes. Like... Are you feeding the penguins fucking caviar? Like, shit. Yeah, <laughs> so... We did that. Uh, I went to Disneyland, and I was there from 8 a.m. to midnight, so 16 hours straight at Disney, which was a very great, fulfilling journey. Uh, also, my legs felt like that they could fall off at that moment. But TwitchCon was great. I got to meet a lot of my friends that I have met through Twitch the past two years in person. I cosplayed, so I was there as Steve Harrington from Stranger Things and Cole Cassidy from Overwatch. So people were, like, getting pictures with me and stuff like that. It was a really great time. I'm honestly still kind of recovering from it, and I've been back for, like, a week at this point. <laughs> uh, we ended up having to stay a day over because we are dumbasses and we missed our flight. So we had to rebook our flights, and the cheapest flight back was actually 24 hours after we originally were supposed to leave. So uh, that was why we ended up going to the zoo. But, uh, so we were actually out there a day longer than we needed to be. Oh no, an extra day in San Diego. What am I going to (laughs) do? Go to the zoo, apparently. Yeah, $64 later. But it was actually, (laughs) it was a really great time. Uh, my wallet is suffering and my feet are suffering, but I'm glad that I did it. What's up, Jacob? How'd you, how have you been? What's been going on in your life? All right. So I dropped my phone while I was like sleeping or something, uh, Sunday and it broke and I had to get it fixed at Apple. So I had a few hours where I was phoneless and I was on the subway for a few of those hours and it gave me a chance to read because of course the only time I can read is when I don't have my phone. Of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah no, of that course. tracks. And I opened Tartuffe by Moliere or Moliere by Tartuffe. I, I, I don't know which way it is, but it's <laughs> the, the, the author is like a, a French dude who is, you know, around Shakespeare's time, probably a little after Shakespeare and holy shit, man, it's good. Fuck it, like it's uh, oh fucking old, old writing, like old theatrical writing, right? Is like it's got scansion fucking in it, which you know all the, all the words rhyme. There's a pattern to how everything is said. Fuck every word, every sentence like rhymes with the next sentence, or everything's like in pairs, and it's so 
poetic, like lyrically poetic, and it and it all does better than make sense. It's like, oh Jesus Christ! Like if I, I don't know, if I were sexually aroused by literature, I would masturbate to this religiously. You know what I mean? I never took you as a Moliere fan. I really never did. I'm a theater person, and when I was in high school, one of the productions we did was Moliere by Tartuffe, and I never saw it, but it's just been in my head of like, well, I should probably read that. So Nice. Being literary. Yeah. yeah what about you, Aaron? Has, has I can't even been? read. <laughs> it must be nice, right? Uh, no, I've, I mean... I know it's non-Rocky stuff. We're going to talk about a couple of the things that, I, that I've that i gotten up to later in the show. I mean, it has just been the start of our Halloween season. So it is, whew, we are three shows in uh, to the, what, 12 shows that we've got. Yeah, uh, we've got one this coming Friday, and there's still no cast list. Meg. Well, yeah, Meg. <laughs> You know, you could give her crap, but she's actually off checking out a venue right now <laughs> and coordinating where they're going to move a piano in this venue for us. So uh, she is off doing God's work on that one. But, yeah, I mean, it's just been so much Rocky and so much just, like, crazy everything. I've I, It's honestly been interfering with my sleep and work schedule. So that's... Uh, Mostly me just trying to catch up on sleep in the hours where I'm not either working or doing Rocky. So. Yeah, I've had a few friends that have been asking to like come up and stay for a few days mm -hmm. in October, and I basically had to tell everyone, "Sorry, <laughs> I can't." <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it, there's there's been some people from RKO. Justin came down, and the only reason it was like we'll have time to hang out is because they did frank the other night at the yep. show and it was like you can come down and we can hang but hanging is going to be doing the show so <laughs> it's that time of the month it's that yep. time of the year it is october all right guys that's out of the way let's just move it on over to our first segment global news global like my penis it's round yeah yeah First up in global news, much as the majestic salmon carries within it, the innate knowledge of exactly when to start its annual pilgrimage upstream, Barry Bostwick's spidey senses have started tingling, and you know what that means. Uh, Jacob is violating the court-mandated 500-foot restraining order? First of all, a thing can mean two things. Second of all, you know perfectly well he's talking about my Bear Bear's Rocky Horror Halloween tour. Ooh, they say once a year on the eve of Halloween, a chosen few Rocky cats will be visited by jolly old Uncle Barry. And he will call upon us to perform for him like the dancing monkeys we are. And they'll like it and beg for more. <laughs> I like that spooky scary there. <laughs> well, for once, Jacob is right. I can't believe I said that. Barry has been going hard with promoting his annual Rocky Horror Tour this year. And according to a recent Facebook post, he's going to be hitting, get this, 22 cities. And that includes Sugarloaf and Kalamazoo. I have no idea where either of those places are, but they are fun to say. Sugarloaf, ancestral home place of Meatloaf. <laughs> Jeez, and I thought our October was bad. That's almost one city every day. That's insane. Although, according to a recent interview with the Digital Journal, one of the most complicated parts of the trip for Barry will be 
packing. He states that the hardest trip to pack for is a two-week trip. Packing, such a dilemma. Yes, packing, always a dilemma. Poor Uncle Barry. When asked what attendees should expect to find at one of Barry's tour shows, he advises attendees to look forward to a fun party, a lot of rudeness, and, quote, they can expect to get their freak on after two years of being shut in. If you know what I mean. He's not wrong. Last year might have been our first year back post-pandemic Lovato, but this is the first Halloween where the overall cultural vibe is that the pandemic is over. Now, I'm not trying to comment on the legitimacy of the statement, but it's really been fascinating to see what it's done for our audiences, both in size and enthusiasm. Oh, yeah. I mean, we would always do here in New York usually about six shows during Halloween week, right? We do back-to-back shows on a couple of nights, whether, you know, it all depends on if Halloween's on a Monday and blah, blah, blah. And they they always sold very well. We sold out those, you know, all the time. But uh, it didn't have the same kind of, like fervor and rush to kind of get tickets to our shows that we've seen this year every single one of our shows has sold out almost as soon as the tickets have gone up for it and you can really feel that energy in the audience like for these first couple that we've done so far boy did they want to be there and have a good time and like so hyped so hyped i think it's a combination of both with the pandemic restrictions lifting as well as just the new theater and the location that NYC is in. We have sold out literally every single show that we have had in this theater Mm -hmm. since we started, except one, and it was 4th of July weekend, and even that one was, like, close to selling out. Right. I mean, Jacob, you've you've been around for five years now, right? Like, you can feel the difference, you know? Yeah, my thought to contribute, um, I know that Meg... This, this is in large part due to Meg reaching out more. We weren't looking at, like, other theaters before the pandemic. Something just changed, and Meg has been, like, a superstar and has gone to, like, a bunch of other locations and venues, and we've been performing all around the city, which is absolutely crazy. But that's a big thing that we didn't do before the pandemic, and now it feels like we are just absolutely huge everywhere, right? We have a show once a month in Brooklyn, and it feels like every time we go back there, the crowd gets rowdier and rowdier and loves us more, and it's a better and better time. And other than that, right, we've got like five different non-regular locations throughout the month of October. And even before October, we've had other locations that we've been performing at, which is just wild to me, right? Before the pandemic, for so for so many years, I think personally, it was I was with the cast like three years pre-pandemic, and it was the same same theater, bunch of bunch of shows, eight a week, eight, eight a month. But it was the same theater each time. And now it's like we are traveling around the city on a weekly basis, which I think is so cool. That I feel like that desire to be in multiple places actually stemmed because of the pandemic. Because after we were not performing in our usual space and we were not performing at all, after COVID restrictions started lifting a little bit more, you know, we started looking for other venues because our venue at that moment did not want us performing there because it was a movie theater and there was a lot of restrictions on those. So we looked at outside venues. We looked at hotels. We looked at drive-ins. We looked at uh, so many other different areas. And I think that that now that we are back into a movie theater, that mindset of still needing to perform elsewhere kind of stuck with us and with Meg. And I love it. it. I feel like it grants us more legitimacy as a cast. Yeah, and I don't have uh, metrics or data to back this up, but I I feel like the impression I've got is that uh, 
a lot more venues, smaller venues, you know, small little theaters, bars, that kind of stuff, are kind of looking for acts to put on, right? They're looking for ways to fill slots. And I, I feel like there's just so much more of that opportunity since everything's kind of, you know, started coming back where, you know, the bars are all open, the the venues are all open, but they may not have a packed schedule. And especially for a show that's like, nope, you can just drop this in in October. And like, we come in, do the thing. You don't have to worry about anything except, I don't know, selling tickets and, you know, <laughs> selling liquor at the bar. And they're just really happy. And, and a lot of spaces have been open to, you know, trying out something that we would have never tried, you know, before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Felt that. So back to Barry's show. Barry goes on to note that he believes the key to Rocky's longevity is its fan base, stating, We just made a little movie for five weeks, and the fans took it over and basically stole it from us. Aww, Barry is always so super nice to the Rocky community. I love a man who knows what side his bread is buttered on. And as a final note to young aspiring actors, Barry advises them to get a good hobby. You will spend more time doing your hobby than your vocation. To which we in the Rocky Horror community say, you're not wrong, Barry. You're not wrong. (laughs) For real. Barry is about halfway through his Halloween tour and still has 12 cities to go. Home stretch, Bear Bear! If you'd like to scope out his upcoming schedule, check out his interview. Or just feast your peepers on his hot, hot face. We've got the full article linked for you in our show notes. And yeah, if you do end up going to a Barry show, make sure to meet up with Jacob. He's going to be 500 feet away from the theater. A thing can mean two things, Aaron. 500 right. feet to an ant is like 300 centimeters. So what? What is this, a restraining order for ants? Exactly. It might be. You don't know. We don't know what Barry's intention was when he made it. So I feel like <laughs> this conversation is the same as like, what is heavier, a pound of feathers or a pound of rocks? Right. And everyone knows it's a pound of rocks. Yes, of Hence, course. Point Jacob. Oh, go yeah. kick rocks. Speaking of Rocky Liberties being awesome, we've got some fun news from across the pond this week. We learned that Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell album holds the record for the most copies sold ever within the UK. Ever? Ever. Apparently, Bad Out of Hell has stayed on the top 100 charts for 530 weeks straight damn go meet interestingly the number two album is james blunt's back to bedlam he beat out a fellow brit good for him batted of hell was released 45 years ago this month and was comprised mostly of songs written by jim steinman including a little number you might have heard paradise by the dashboard light never heard of it yeah i don't know what that's about Uh, It's a callback at Rocky, I know that. Ah, right. I always thought that song was particularly good because it featured another up-and-coming artist, Ellen Foley, an actress probably best known for playing Billy Young on the sitcom Night Court. Man, I love Night Court. Uh, So yeah, Ellen Foley, after recording with me, she went on to release five studio albums. Her sixth came out only just last year. Uh, But not only is Ellen still recording, she's also still touring. Uh, Just this past week, she played at a New York City venue called The Cutting Room. Aaron, is this story time disguised as a new segment? Maybe. Did you go see Ellen Foley? Maybe. Was there anyone under the age of 50 in the audience with you? Uh, No. No. uh Uh-uh. Did you have a good time? 
Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, no, it was super fun. You want to tell us about your favorite part, buddy? Okay. So this was super cool. Meg and I went to see uh, Ellen Foley. I had not planned on doing this, like, at all. Tickets came up a couple weeks ago, and I was just like, oh, shit, it's Ellen Foley. And, yeah, she sang uh, on Paradise by the Dashboard Lights on the album. Uh, she was not the the person who was touring with Meatloaf uh, for that album's, you know, like, tour, but uh, she did sing on the album. She didn't do a lot of Meatloaf stuff, unsurprisingly. She did a lot of her own stuff, and uh, it was really awesome. I mean, she's got to be, I think, 70 at this point, but she still has that, like, rock star energy. And she was just having a good time. Her and her band played a ton of different stuff, uh, all spanning throughout her career. Um, and it was really good. She was fantastic. Uh, the venue was really nice. I was... Uh, you know how it is when you go see a show now and it's in a smaller venue and you spend half the time watching the show and the other half the time going, oh, I wonder if Rocky would work in here. So, like, <laughs> we were a little distracted during parts of it, but uh, it was really great. I, I loved it. She was fantastic. She did do uh, a really, really nice touching tribute uh, to Jim and me as her encore. After, you know, they wrapped up, she came back out for uh, an encore, and she sang uh, Heaven Can Wait and spoke about, you know, Jim Steinman and Meatloaf and, you know, that kind of stuff. It, it was actually incredibly moving, especially when you consider the fact that her career kind of reached the peaks that it did because those two people were involved in her life. And it was it was just really nice. It was, it was really cool to hear her reminisce about, like, stories from them and the impact that they had had on her as she was starting out and like it was it was just a really really fun you know hour and 20 minute concert it was, it was quick and you know uh wasn't too crazy but yeah there there was probably not a single person under 50 in the audience uh other than Megan myself actually I take that back there was two girls who were sitting there who were probably in like their mid-20s and whatever and I could not figure out how they knew Ellen Foley or like why they were familiar with this uh and then the backup singer uh that was singing with her came off uh after the show and walked straight up to these two girls and started talking to them I'm like ah they're the roommates that's why they're here under 50 <laughs> <laughs> yep that tracks just support the homies yeah but yeah it was a great show it was a great show i really enjoyed it it looks as though her u.s tour is completed but fear not if you'd like to catch ellen on stage She'll be doing a tour through the Netherlands in January of 2023, which we will, of course, link for you in our show notes. I will totally be there. <laughs> going, going to the Netherlands? I hear their uh, their zoos are slightly cheaper, though. <laughs> and with that, we're going to mosey on over to some community news. For our community news segment this week, we found a heartwarming Halloween love story all the way from Canada. This week, Streets of Toronto ran an article about the nuptials of Rena Ehrlich from the Excited Mental State cast, who are celebrating their 18th anniversary this year. The two met as teenagers back in 2005 at the former Bloor Cinema, standing in line for the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Rena recalls that to pass the time in line, she started singing songs from Hedwig and the Angry Inch to herself. A cute guy in line with her, Erlith, started singing along and asked to sit with her once the movie let in. After the movie, they exchanged MSN messenger handles, and the rest was history. They attended prom together, attended the same university after graduating high school, and officially tied the knot four years ago in a relatively traditional Jewish ceremony. Rela 
relatively traditional? I mean, it wouldn't be a rocky wedding without some weirdness thrown in. The couple played science fiction double feature as their guests were seated for the ceremony. Reno walked down the aisle to the origin of love. Plus, they hired a bunch of drag queens to perform at their after party. And all the guests, cool enough to make the invite list, dance the time warp together. Aww, so gay. So gay. Uh, so, so gay? I guess having a bunch of fucking drag queens at your wedding is, that's pretty fucking gay. Shit. It's pretty fucking awesome, too. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a lot of times when I go to weddings, uh... I feel like, at least at my age, a lot of the people that are, like, getting married right now, and this is just a general statement, but, like, a lot of them are straight, so all the weddings are the fucking same, you know? Mm. Uh, I recently went to uh, this wedding. It was actually a cast alumni for NYC. Their wedding was extremely gay, and it was on a boat, and it was fantastic, and it was a really nice break from, like, the normalcy of what a wedding is. Savannah and I obviously have talked about marriage quite a lot in our six years of being together, and we don't plan on tying the knot anytime soon, but trust folks, dear readers, when we do, that is going to be literally the biggest party of the century, and everyone knows it because of who me and Savannah are as people. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm here for weirder, non-traditional weddings, obviously. Um, I, I think that, like... Fuck all of the traditional stuff. If, it, if the tradition stuff, you know, is something you value, cool, you know, whatever, do it. But, like, don't just do the same boring thing because it's expected, you know. Like, it should, it should be a big celebration of you and your friends and your relationship and the people, you know, that, that value to you. And, like, you got weird friends, do a weird wedding, you know. <laughs> yep, exactly. And I have weird friends. <laughs> Seriously. But this adorable article cites Rocky as the secret to the success of their teenage romance. Rena compla no, complains. <laughs> Rena comments, I remember feeling very self-conscious about having to explain to my friends that there's this weird movie from the 70s, and every month I get dressed up and watch it, and I can quote the whole thing because I've seen it 200 times. And then I met Erleth, someone who not only understood that, but shared that. If you start your relationship knowing the weirdest thing about the other off the bat, that's a great foundation. Aw, that's a very sweet story. And the fact that Rocky is the weirdest thing about you, yeah, that sounds about right. And, I mean, come on. As uh, people who have either met our significant others at Rocky, or, I mean, John, you didn't meet Sav at Rocky, but, the like, it was... The show did play a really big part in your relationship right from the get-go. So, okay, I'd like to offer this question to the room. Do you think Rocky's presence in your relationship has impacted it and actually, even better, has that impact actually been positive? It has not been positive because <laughs> one of the only things that me and Savannah argue about on a regular basis is why don't you put your costumes back in the costume room, Savannah? Why do they <laughs> sit in a suitcase for three weeks until I have to play Frank and then three hours before I leave when I'm packing, I can't find the Frankenfurter costume? Hmm. I feel like uh, I feel like that that conversation's happened a few times. Yeah, it happens like weekly. No, it's it's actually been. Uh, I I think that Rocky has impacted our relationship for the better because it gave us something to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, like we've been together for six years. There's only so much that <laughs> you can do as a couple before you're like, well, I guess we're just 
people who are a couple who have our own schedules and our own likes and dislikes. So we just keep to ourselves. Rocky has always been something that like the two of us could do regularly. And it always really is such a treat for one of the two of us or for both of us. It always is such a treat for the both of us when we find out that we're casted in like the same show opposite each other. Mm -hmm. Obviously that's happened a lot more infrequently recently because Savannah now works in theater off Broadway and Broadway. So their schedule doesn't really align much with Rocky, but uh, I really value the days where, like, the two of us used to perform together, and it was always something that was, like, really special and unique. Obviously, for people listening to this podcast, it's not really that unique, but to the normies, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, it's so cute that the two of you, like, perform together and stuff. That's so cool. That's so unique. That's so fun. <laughs> I mean, and it is kind of unique in the context of, like, I've known a lot of people not in the Rocky community, right? Where it's like, I'll ask them, oh, what'd you guys get up to, you know, this weekend? And they're like, I, I don't I don't know. We, we went to a sip and paint and then sat at the bar for seven hours. Like, oh, okay. So you guys have fun? I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, Ro Rocky, I, I agree that it's like, it gives you something to share. It gives you something you can both be passionate about and work towards. And like, you know, it, by its nature, Rocky is a collaborative effort and being able to be collaborative with your partner is incredibly satisfying. Right. I think that that's, uh, you know, the thing that, that Meg and I love about it, right. Is that like, we both get to share this thing and we both get to work towards putting it on and, you know, making sure everybody's having a good time. And like, it's, it's very satisfying. Uh, but I will agree with you on that one, John. It is also the only thing we ever fucking fight about. So, <laughs> I mean, it makes all the other fights look tame in comparison when it's like, no, you, you have to put two cards in the prop bags. We, uh, get out the spreadsheet. We got to figure out if the budget allows for it. I'm sick of the budgets. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Jacob? I'm, I'm sorry, audience. I am very sick today. If my voice sounds lackluster, I feel like it sounds lackluster, and I'm not 100% here, but I'm here. You got Jacob on a quiet day. Yeah, seriously. It, it like, hurts to talk at this volume. All right. <laughs> I think Rocky's been great. Like, Rocky's been how I have met every fucking pretty much, pretty much technically every sexual romantic encounter I've had in my, my two long-term partners, and it was a boon to the relationship. I think it was a thing that both of us shared in common and got to talk about how we wanted, you know, in private, um, which is fun. Yeah, that's about all I have to say. Very nice. Very nice. So I think the consensus is Rocky, probably a positive. <laughs> Who would <laughs> have thought? What a yeah, hot that's take. <laughs> probably a positive. <laughs> we here at Rocky Talkie would like to wish Rena and Arleth a very happy 18th anniversary. Keep doing what you're doing because it seems to be working beautifully. We'd also like to wish their cast a fun and chill Halloween. And as always, if we've got any listeners who would like to weigh in on this convo, write to us and let us hear your thoughts. Just visit our website, rockytalkypodcast.com, and fill out our contact form. And with that, let's move on over to the questioniest portion of the script. It's time to ask a question. Jacking it with Jacob. <laughs> All right, uh -huh. guys. We're uh, we're not going to do a big old historical deep dive this week. No, why we just... not? Why not, Aaron? Uh, well, you know, 
do you remember how many shows I said we have this Halloween? <laughs> Something's got to give. Something's got to give. And it turns out we don't have time to dig through a bunch of Rocky books right now. <laughs> but we did just have something happen at our show last night that I thought would be a very interesting topic. We haven't broached it too much on the show before. And, um, well, here, let me, let me, uh, let me play this clip. I think uh, Frank can explain it a little bit better than I can. Uh, so we'll, we'll be back after this. It was one of those moments when everything looks black. The chips are down. Your back is against the wall. You're trapped. You panic. There's no way out. And even if there was a way out, it would probably only be a one-way ticket to the bottom of the bed. All right, so you may not have figured it out yet. That was uh, Max Phillips uh, doing Frank back in the 80s. That's uh, part of the uh, lab scene uh, speech that is actually cut from the movie. Uh, but yeah, the key takeaway there, when your back is against the wall, and oh boy, was our back against the wall last night at our show. It was a great show. The audience had a ton of fun. Uh, we were there for it, and like it, it went off with as many hitches as you could possibly imagine because multiple times during the show last night, the done movie just went and stopped. Yes, it did. And it was awkward every time. It did not get any less awkward the more it happened. The first uh. time it happened, just the visual cut and the audio kept going, which I thought was absolutely great because speaking as someone who watched Rocky in a theater a few times before I started performing... I like. I feel like everyone in that theater, save for a few special souls, is just watching the movie on the screen, and everyone on stage is kind of an afterthought. So yep. I figure, I figure once the video stopped and it was just the audio, people were sort of forced to look at us for a good like 20, 20 minute stretch before the movie conked out yet again, and the audio cut too, and we had to just pause and say, sorry, uh, give us a minute. So, uh, yeah, the uh, the origin of this one, um, love this venue, this, like, unforeseen thing. It was a dark and stormy night last night. There was having a bunch of kind of intermittent issues, and, uh, yeah, they were streaming the film uh, off of one of the streaming services, and um, I think the network crapped out at some point or just it lost its connection or something like that. But it happened probably a good four or five times, starting in, like, right before Hot Patootie, and then it just kept happening throughout the rest of the film. Surprisingly, did not stop during uh, Floor Show or I'm Going Home, which was yeah, impressive. I was, I was mad because I saw it, you know, stopping and starting and stopping and starting, and I was like, fine, you know what? I'm since I'm there and I was just there watching the show. I was Trixie, so I did Trixie. It stopped at the very, very beginning of Trixie, but like it was before right. I did literally anything, so it didn't affect much. But like I went over and stood by the laptop that was running the movie in case if it paused, I could just immediately like close it out and refresh it. But of course, when I was over there, it was fucking fine. <laughs> Right. And I mean, so, you know, this happens, right? This happens. We all have those shows where some kind of technical problem goes catastrophically wrong. And it's just a, what are you going to do in that situation? What's the cast going to do? How are you going to keep the vibe up? You know, all this kind of stuff. So that's what I wanted to kind of talk about today is um, the times when the chips are down, right? And your back is against the wall. And what do you do? 
what do you do? And I know that a lot of our listeners out there may not have been in a position where they're the one that has to take the initiative on this kind of thing, right? If something goes wrong, usually your cast leader is going to deal with it, right? If it's something that's like catastrophic, the movie stops playing, which is exactly what happened last night. I mean, the average person who's been on cast for, you know, uh, a year or so is probably not the one who's going to have to go deal with figuring out what the fuck to do with the venue. But you might find yourself in that position. And I thought this would be a good opportunity to kind of talk through some of that and just what you do and how you keep a level head and, and all of that. So let's start off with a little bit of story time. John, what was the biggest catastrophe of a show for you personally? So let's start with something easy, not like the whole show's going wrong. What was the worst show that went wrong for you? So a couple of years back, Halloween season, because it's always Halloween season when this shit happens. I was Trixie for a midnight show, and I was Frank for the 9 p.m. show. So, like, really chill, really easy. You know, you go, you do Frank, and then you do Trixie at midnight, and then you just get to sit and chill and watch the rest of the show. Uh, So I was Frank for the 9 p.m. show, and my partner Savannah was Frank for... The midnight show and then Trixie for the 9 p.m. So so we were like switched. It was really cute. Savannah went on, did Trixie as Jack Skellington. It was a super cool Trixie, really great. However, Savannah had had like really bad Chinese food or something earlier that day. And right when they went on as Trixie, they got like severe food poisoning. Oh no. And spent the entire rest of the show dying in the bathroom of the Chelsea Sinapolis. I was oh frank God, I that show. This. Yeah, I was frank that show, so I didn't really get to like help. Uh, but when I came back after the show was over, while we were resetting to do the midnight show, Savannah was in no way, shape, or form ready or available to perform as Frank for that midnight show. So I had to do Frank again for the midnight show. So I did Frank for the 9 p.m. show and the midnight show, which means that I was Frank from like 8 p.m. to. 2 30 in the morning oh my and god the and it was just that that was like the biggest shit show for me personally i have never thankfully had an issue myself on stage like there's been things where it's like oh no i forgot a costume piece or mm-hmm. oh no i have to at the last second do this one character or blah 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 but doing frank back to back from 8 to 2 a.m i do not recommend to my worst enemy <laughs> and that's coming from somebody who like loves the spotlight on him you know, like, I'm I'm a vain motherfucker. I will be the first person to admit it. But doing Frank for two shows back-to-back and being in that makeup and that costume for that long, not fun. Not fun at all. It's so hard to keep the energy up, right? Like, yep. you, go, you go through a whole arc of the first show, right? Of, like, high energy, and then I'm up, and I'm down, and all of this stuff. And then, like, you're just dirty and disgusting at the end of the show and you 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 finish it you're like cool now i gotta be sexy sweet tea frank again (laughs) (laughs) i hated it that i i'm pretty sure i told meg after that i was like i don't want to play frank for like like at least two or three months after that because it was just it was overboard yeah it it, that's that's it i mean and and what do you do what do you do in that situation you you gotta perform there's no choice not to you know uh yeah, you just got to grin, bear it, and try and hope the audience doesn't notice that you're on your second round. Yep. What about you, Jacob? What is the biggest catastrophe of a show for you personally? 
it's surprising, but I maybe all my shows have just gone kind of and I haven't really had an issue. I don't, oh, actually, oh, you know what? Fuck. Um, last night at the, the show, the, the show that went wrong. So I, a good friend of mine, he's now on cast. Rob, I was smoking with him right before our show. And I didn't smoke that much because, you know, the show was about to happen. I was Eddie, so I felt like I had enough time before the show was started. It was like, it was 30 minutes before the show was going to start. And then I have, you know, all that time before Hapatuti. I figured, you know, I, I know my tolerance. I know how weed works. Like, I will be cool to the ground by the time I have to go on stage. And holy shit, I don't know what specialty Rob brought, but it was incredible. I was zoinked out of my fucking mind for like three hours. As I was leaving after the show, I was still a little fucking fucked up. And I and I got worried. I was like very worried leading up to Hapatuti. Like make a man out of you and all that shit. I was like, shit, am I is this gonna be okay? Should, no, no, this is gonna be fine. Like I I can handle myself, right? Yeah, I'm totally yeah. And I was like talking myself up and, and like, Jacob, it's okay. You're gonna go out there and do all the thing you usually do. It's okay. And then I got out there, and one, the movie conked out. So I went out there, <laughs> I did my entrance, um, and then after I did my entrance, before any singing happened, I didn't even get to hear the woo. It was the scariest thing, because I was baked, so I, I was like, I did my entrance, and I was like, okay, now here's gonna is where the woo comes, and I didn't hear the woo, and I was like, fuck, am I so high I can't hear anymore? <laughs> <laughs> and then, no, the movie just stopped. So we stopped for a good 10, 15 minutes, maybe more. And then it started up again. I redid my entrance. This time it seemed like it was going well. We started going through the whole Eddie routine. I did like the first verse. And then the stuff with Columbia came up. And I forgot it entirely. I was like, oh, yes, and here is where I will play the saxophone. Um, totally skipping over the interaction with Columbia. Thankfully, <laughs> like... 20 seconds into me playing the saxophone, the movie cut out again, which was such a relief. Like, the movie cut out, and I was talking to Lily. Shout out, Lily, you're great, who was my Columbia. We were just shooting this shit, just like, yeah, oh, well, movie movie cut out. Hi, audience. Um, and halfway through, like like a few minutes through the cut, I would just leaned over to her and was like, did I, did I forget to interact with you? Did I skip straight to saxophone? And she was like, yes, you did. Um, <laughs> well, in in your defense, though, Jacob, it was also because somebody gave you the saxophone way too early. Mm. Oh, and because no, you no, were no. baked out of your mind, you were like, oh, this is the time that I do the saxophone. Oh, no, 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 John. You, you may think that, but what actually what happened, <laughs> what happened was I was on stage and in my head I was like, okay, saxophone. Why am I not being passed the saxophone? So I looked to Rain, who I knew had the saxophone, and I like urgently, with my face and my hands and my eyes, urgently, I was like, saxophone! Saxophone! And she was confused. And I was like, why are you confused? I need the saxophone now! <laughs> so she ended up tossing it to me way too early. Um, <laughs> yeah. Movie cut out again. And then I think it was if it was fine, right? I went. I then I performed, and it didn't cut out a third time. Um, but yeah, I got to do three entrances as Eddie, which was quite an experience. I felt very stupid by the third one. I was, I was like, man, I know I need to be hype and, and do this full force because the audience is like, because the movie cut out three times. But Jesus Christ, everyone's like, must be laughing at me now. This is ridiculous. I can't just scream around <laughs> the stage three times. That's stupid. Oh man, yeah, you know. I thought that the worst of the worst came for me last night during hosting, and I was so wrong. 
Like, so we, we, we got people up to do a costume contest because they like to give away, you know, drink tickets and stuff at this venue. Um, so it brought, brought up people in costumes to, to do like orgasms for, you know, who's going to win, uh, some, some, some drink tickets. Turns out every single person dressed in a, in a, in a Rocky costume last night was also a virgin. So the interaction went like this. Hi, how you doing? What's your name? Okay, cool. And I see that you are dressed as, oh, Magenta, you're dressed as Magenta, okay. And uh, how do you think Magenta would have an orgasm? I haven't seen the movie. Okay, this is going well. And I went down the line, every single one of them had never seen the film before. So I'm like, I get to the last one who's dressed as Frank, and I'm like, how do you think Frank would have an orgasm? And she's like, I have no idea. And I'm like, really? It's in the movie. Like, (laughs) at this point, you just turn to the audience, and you're like, these are your friends. This is your problem. (laughs) It it turned out really funny, and, like, everybody liked it. But that was just, like, a moment for me where I was just like, okay, if this is the worst that happens, that, that, that was okay. Boy, was I wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, it was probably the biggest catastrophe we've had for the cast, right? For the show as a whole in any of our shows since we've come back. I mean, the movie cuts out and what are you going to do? Like, I was standing over by the bar when this happened and I just put my head down and I was like, fuck, okay, they better fix it quick. And then I realized, shit, I was hosting tonight. It's actually my responsibility to go engage this audience while this is going wrong. Yeah, I was telling Aaron because I was Trixie and I, I, you know, I'm a cast leader. So, like, I had initially thought that when it was freezing and, like, nothing was really happening that I was going to go up and and do a thing. But then I was like, I am also dressed like a fucking popsicle right now. Nobody's going to take me seriously. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean... We did the best thing that we could do. We called it an intermission, you know? Yep. I, I walked up there and said, all right, guys, movie's taking a break. It's an intermission. Go get another drink. Tip your bartenders, all the standard stuff. And you just kind of, you got to reset expectations and keep the energy up, right? Keeping the energy up is so hard, especially when, you know, something like that goes wrong and you just want to... You want to engage the audience and, you know, they know that something went wrong. So there's no point in pretending it didn't. You just got to shrug. You got to talk to them. You got to, you know, do the stuff that keeps them interested while you sort out your shit. And then hopefully it it, it comes back. Was that, was this the biggest catastrophe show like that, that you've done, John, for the cast as a whole? Or was there, is there another one that sticks out? Um, just aside from when I had to play Frank the two times in a row, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't really think we've ever had a show that was just like collectively has gone wrong like that. Like every once in a while, I feel like we have like an Eddie that comes down way too early either time or like somebody misses a cue or completely misses a scene. I know that I've missed uh, superheroes as Brad plenty of times um, or like I haven't got my costumes on in time for quick changes. But like aside from like just shit like that, maybe multiple happening per show. I think that that probably was the biggest shit show. Right. There's 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 a line between what went bad for the cast and what went b- bad that the audience can tell. Right. Like we've had yeah. shows where like partway through driving scenes, suddenly Janet cannot perform anymore. Yeah. Right. And at that point, just find somebody in a white bra and call it a day that's what we ended up doing 
And, like, it worked fine. I'm pretty sure they looked similar enough. The audience couldn't even tell that we swapped Janets partway through a show once. Yeah, um, big uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air vibes. Right? <laughs> and, like, those those are a little bit easier, right? Where it's just like, okay, figure it out. The audience is still sitting there. They don't know anything went wrong. You don't have to clue them in that anything went wrong. You know, you don't have to make a whole thing out of it. But when something goes wrong and they know, well, you got to acknowledge it. You got to, you know, respond to it quickly and you got to keep them up, you know, while they're doing it. In my youth, I was a part of a youth theater ensemble called uh, Tada, which is located in Manhattan. And my first show with them, our opening night, one of our cast members was like a little sick, but he was like, well, but I can, I can perform. It's opening night. I'm not going to like sit out just because I have like the cold, whatever. Um, and as we went out to do bows, it was, ta- oh my God. So we were like in the second group of people that went out to do bows. So there were a few people already on stage. And then me, this kid and two other kids walked out to do bows and we get out to like where we're supposed to be on the stage. And this kid vomits oh, no. right in the oh, middle of stage. Oh my God. It was terrible. We had, we like, <laughs> we all moved away a little bit cause like vomits right there. It was very unfortunate. He ran off stage. His dad was there that night, so he got to go somewhere to get taken care of. He was all good. And it was during the bow, so it didn't it didn't like fuck over the show. But then a bunch of more people had to come out and bow around the vomit, uh, which I thought was a little funny. <laughs> oh no. Oh, I mean, at least it was at the end, right? Yeah, exactly. We got to go home shortly after. Uh, I I directed a production of uh, the complete works of William Shakespeare, abridged, a few years ago. And on our tech night, the night before the show, one of my one of my, the the actors had a mental break on stage and oh, was no. unable, oh man yeah and was it was horrifying uh, was unable to perform. I had to because he like assaulted another cast member like on stage. Oh, oh yikes! God. So I had to walk him to counseling and then had to recast the entire show to like for everybody to pick up hit that person's lines. Because it's the complete works of William Shakespeare, which is a show that's usually done by three people. I had a cast of like six or seven, but I had to split his role amongst the cast, and we had wow. less than twenty four hours, and it worked. They were able to pull it off, thank fucking god. But that I think that was like the scariest I've ever been in a theater, like in a at least in a theater space where catastrophe was going to happen and i had to figure out what to do regardless of it oh yeah i i think my biggest like performance catastrophe ever actually comes from like high school marching band where there was one one night where we were doing a show uh at at a college on like the football field and it was the night before like a competition and partway through like i don't know the second or third song in the set all of the sprinklers turn on on this football field. <laughs> and the the thing you do in marching band, right, is like you do not let anything phase you. If you are not in danger, it is okay and you play through it. So we're just standing there at, you know, our, in playing through the song while there's sprinklers blasting us all in the face, soaking our uniforms, soaking our, our instruments. And a bunch of like the band dads start running out onto the field and they just stand directly in front of the sprinklers so that they're getting blasted in the face and not the band is getting blasted (laughs) so we come we come off from this this performance and it's just it looks like there's all these like you know band dads 
who are just soaked. Like, they just got out of a pool. <laughs> and everybody is like, well, shit, we have to be on a bus in eight hours to go to a competition. I guess we're all going to figure out how to quickly dry out some uniforms. <laughs> That was a mess. That was probably the biggest performance mess I've ever I've ever seen. I was about to say that sounds fantastic. I don't know. <laughs> it was certainly one. There's video of it too. Like somebody was recording oh, wow. on their VHS, and like, yeah, you can you can see when it starts. You can just see a drum line get a full face of water. It's real funny. Yeah, if you find that, I'm going to need that for reasons. <laughs> but I mean, you know, this is this is the kind of thing. It's not just Rocky. It's not just theater. It's you know, any kind of performance. Things can go wrong, and when they go wrong, you just have to figure out how best to accommodate it. Make sure everybody's okay, and try to keep going as well as you can. Right? Like, yeah. I mean, you got the famous example, right? The the glitter incident from the original stage show, right? Where Raynard Burton cannot play Rocky because his member is currently not in a good shape because of some glitter. And what, Glittery. what, what were they going to do? There was a solution for it. They said, well, Columbia is no longer going to be a character in this show. Little Nell is going to play Rocky. Magenta is going to do all of Columbia's stuff, like her lines and things she's supposed to do, and we'll make it work. I mean, they ended up canceling the show anyway because it, you know, it, there was other stuff going wrong that night. But like, you just got to be creative, right? Yep. And then there was this one show, just like to continue the conversation of like the stage show itself going wrong. There was uh, a show that our friend Justin was in as Rocky. Me, Aaron, Meg, a bunch of people went up to the Rhode Island area to go see it and and root for them. The Frank who was in that show forgot his lines which is hysterical because i feel like anybody who understands the community around rocky literally everything that comes out of frank's mouth is iconic right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um he just kind of like stood there after dr scott entered stood there and everyone was waiting in anticipation <laughs> i'm sorry nah. I, it was there i had to no nah, no nah, that was that was good but everyone was just waiting there, and, like, Dr. Scott and Frank are just staring at each other. Brad is just looking at Frank, and everyone is just kind of, It's like the Spider-Man meme where they're all pointing at each other, but nobody is saying anything. And then there was somebody uh, in, thankfully, thankfully, because Rocky is a callback culture and people are allowed to talk during the show, somebody in the audience went, wow, he looks pretty adaptable to me. And that was the line that Frank was supposed to say, and then the guy playing Frank was like, yes, he looks adaptable to me. And... Like, I cannot, I, first off, I cannot imagine forgetting a fucking line for Dr. Frankenfurter, one of the most iconic Broadway <laughs> roles of all time, uh, let alone being, like, one of his, like, bigger zingers in the show, too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, stage, uh, stage fright is a motherfucker for everybody, I guess. I mean, he broke so hard. Yeah. When, 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 when the person screamed it out, he just... It, it, but he 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 did what he should have done. He kept as Frank. He turned and was like bitchy at the audience, like, yep. "Well, fuck you. I know I did it wrong, but fuck you. I'm Frank," and just moved on with it. And and, and it was just funny. It was just funny. It it turned a uh, oh shit moment into a okay. We're all here for a laugh, like. And I mean, sometimes they can, shows can go catastrophically wrong, but sometimes it it's not a big like oh shit situation right sometimes a show's just going flat right and we've all had those shows 
And I think this is actually a, a better tip for everybody out there, kind of a more interesting discussion topic for uh, people who are just in shows. And when you can tell that a show is going flat, what do you do? What do you do when you you think the audience isn't quite getting into it or that like everything's not landing? What do you do, John? Uh, so if I feel as though the audience is not being very well receptive to like my character or just any of the characters at all, I kind of go really, really, really hard on the audience interaction. So like if I'm on stage and the audience is just not good, they're not cheering, they're not doing callbacks, they're not doing anything like that, I will force myself to break character multiple times and I'll do callbacks from stage. Uh, as long as I'm not, like, the centerpiece, like, you would never catch me doing callbacks during Sword of Damocles as Rocky, you know? Right, right. But, like, if it's, like, I'm going home and I'm Dr. Scott, Brad, Janet, or Rocky, and I can tell that the audience is, like, very kind of confused as to what's happening, you know, that kind of shit, I will – I'll sit there and do them. Having people stand up and sit down, that kind of shit, if I see that there's somebody in the, you know, in the front row who – is just not really enjoying themselves, and I'm playing Riff Raff, I'll use them as the transducer, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to, just to get them a little bit more into the space of what this show is and what the show is about. That's kind of, like, where, where I lie. And I think more often than not, it, it works. Yeah, I think that, you know, those are the cases where, like, you know, the audience isn't being interactive and receptive. Well, at that point, you can try anything. You know, the the the... The rules are now suggestions, right? Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Jacob? What about me, indeed? <laughs> um, oh, God. Yeah, if, if they're not into it, I just bring out the scooter. Um, you know, I have to drop it at the beginning of Hapatat. But halfway through, if they're not clapping their hands, I just bring the scooter around through the rows and threaten various people with it. Um, it's it's quite meaty and, and metal, so people... Shy away and start their clippity clapping. <laughs> oh no! Don't don't hit me with the scooter! I, oh, I'm I'm sorry. That's what it usually sounds like. Oh uh, yeah, I, we had a moment like that last night where I don't know, probably the fourth or fifth time that the movie had stopped. I'm standing on stage. It's during freezing scene. Uh, <laughs> this is cute. I'm doing riff and Keely is doing magenta, and we're just standing on stage. It freezes, and we're just like, I've already done the like the third intermission joke like I, there's no more like actively talking to him it's just the audience knows that we need to get it back on track what do i do keely's just like well we can dance and i'm like absolutely so we just slow waltz on stage for a good like two minutes to no music to nothing just like here's something to watch guys i don't know just try and keep up with us <laughs> like, yep there was a, a, re, a show for me recently where I had I was playing Janet and I uh, I had texted Meg earlier in the day and was like, hey, don't forget your Janet stuff for me. And then she forgot her Janet stuff for me. So we had to send one of our cast members, Marty, back to her apartment to fetch it, which meant that I had to host for a very prolonged period of time. And it was just it was just a very strange experience because I haven't hosted for that long since pre-COVID. I had to host I – th I think somebody, one of the newbies, clocked me at, like, 37 minutes of hosting, oh, which yeah. was – God that was, damn. That was unheard of. Uh, I mean, like, that was par for the course back in the day for NYC. But, like, we, we host, like, 10, 15 minutes max now. So having to go for over double that 
was uh, nightmarish. But honestly, you just have to keep going and make it seem like you meant to do that. Yeah, you pulled out all the deep cuts, like every single joke, every applause break, every single thing. And I just went, I forgot how like well this all structured together back in the day when it was all that. Yeah. Like, it, there was all the points for it and everything was there. It, it's just slow, you know, but when you're stalling yep. for time, you need slow. Yeah, exactly. And it worked. There's always haters, especially during the Halloween season. You know, you always get people that don't understand the vibe of the show, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And apparently, because uh, I, I was talking to one of the newbies after the show, and apparently one of them came up to our lighting person, Chloe, and they were like, is the movie going to start yet? And Chloe was like, yeah, it's, it's going to start soon. And they were like, good, because the vibes are kind of weird. And now we quote that, like me and all the new kids, we will quote that to each other all the time. What's Griffin has quoted that to me like three times so far. Yeah, the vibes are the vibes. They're kind of weird, and it's like, honey, if you think the vibes are weird now, I cannot tell you how the vibes are going to be when the actual performance starts because it's way fucking worse than this, my friend. <laughs> she stayed throughout the whole show, though, from what I from what I gathered. Well, that's good. But it's like the same idea of like when people leave the show because they didn't think that people would be yelling. Mm -hmm. You know, or like, why are there people? like prancing around in the front i can't see the movie right when we, there's nothing to help for those people who came in with the wrong expectations right they right? just need to leave <laughs> <laughs> or just be miserable that's fine too but just don't make it everyone else's problem and you know from a cast perspective you set the expectations as well as you can but some people just you know aren't aren't there for it you know not every show is going to run perfectly do the best you can and minimize the problems for the audience. Right? I mean, that's what it that's what it breaks down to. And and actually, this might be the best piece of, of advice that we give in this entire episode. Don't try to figure out what went wrong and how you could have fixed it right then. Right? Don't don't have a whole breakdown about who did what and why is it so bad. You just got to solve the problem and save the like what fucked up and how do we fix that for after the show yep i actually just had this conversation with a bunch of the newbies who came over to learn uh rocky recently i taught a bunch of them rocky's track and i had noticed that one of them was looking at like my tv screen a lot and i had to stop and i was like stop looking at the screen so if you look at the screen the the very little immersion that you are creating while being a shadow caster is ruined because if you look at the screen, it looks like you don't know what you're doing. I know that you're using it as a crutch because you don't want to be wrong. But if you're going to be wrong, do it proudly, do it powerfully. If you are standing in the wrong spot and you look up at the screen and see that you're in like the wrong location, oh well, stay there. Do not switch your shit like that. Unless you're like literally in the way of somebody, then sure, move. But like unless you are in the way of somebody, you are somewhere, the cast will will mold around you will mold around your misgiving no no cast member was going to stop the stage the show would be like you're supposed to be over th they're not going to do that so just go just do it because chances are the audience is not going to fucking know and the people that are in the cast that know rocky probably also aren't going to know because every cast has different blocking don't worry about it keep going and then it is up to people who are tasked as leadership to let you know you know hey this is something that you did uh it is done this way you know just make that as a mental note for next time i was actually at the show last night to do notes and i had a few but then when the movie stopped 
started stopping and starting i was like well i can't give people notes now because everyone is so flustered about the movie stopping and starting that everyone is like switching hands and being on the wrong side of people i'm like i'm just gonna throw this note section out and we'll do this at another show <laughs> jacob small note don't do the intro to hop three times like <laughs> <laughs> But for real, like, if you are a performer and you are somebody who, like, looks at the screen and you're, like, because you're so worried about being wrong, just be wrong. It's okay. Mm -hmm. This is an experimental community theater program. You are not on Broadway. We are not kicking you off stage because you were standing on the wrong side of Janet during There's a Light. Like, right. or maybe maybe other casts do that. And if they do, you're fucking wrong. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... It, and it really comes down to, like, in the moment is not the time to try to, like, be introspective and to try yep. to, like, figure – no, you're there to put on a show, and it, it it's going to keep going. The train is going to keep coming down the track either way. You can either be hanging on to it or you can be running behind it trying to figure out why it didn't stop at the last station. Like, yep. there's, there's no way – and – there is a time and a place for that kind of, you know, retrospective. I mean, this is very common in theater, right? Like, a show happens, and then afterwards, your stage manager, your director, whoever, is going to give you notes. You're going to go over, you know, all of the things that went wrong. You're going to figure out how to make sure that they don't happen again. But you don't need to be freaking out about that during the show, right? Because there's nothing you can do to fix the next show during this show. This show's the one that's got a problem going on right now. Just barrel through it. You know, and that's our show. We want to thank nobody, not a single person. Yeah, fuck all of you. Yeah. <laughs> and as always, we'd like to thank our writer, Jacob, who did nothing this week, and our editor, Aaron from Tennessee, <laughs> who does all the work every week. We appreciate you so much. I appreciate that I'm still in the credits for this because it has been a, it has been like half a year plus since I have wrote written for this show. But uh, keep, I, I appreciate the shout out every week. And speaking of catastrophes, if anyone has a question they'd like us to answer on air for Nikki asks a question, or so, I see we've never fixed that, or some community <laughs> news that you'd like us to talk about. See what I did there was wrong. See, I stopped instead of barreling through it. That was wrong of me. Yeah, yeah, but we have the magic of production, so it doesn't matter if we do that this time. <laughs> if anyone has a question they'd like us to answer on air for our Ask a Question segment, or some community news they'd like us to talk about, maybe just a cool story to share with the community, or a really, really terrible experience you remember, come on, send it in. We'd love to include it in the show. Just go to our website, that's rockytalkypodcast.com, and fill out the contact form to tell us all about it. Hey, Aaron. Yes, John? Why can't you use beef stew as a computer password? I don't know. Why can't you Be use beef stew as a computer password? Because it's not stroganoff. And if you want even more Rocky Talk, you can't... No, wait, not that. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> If you're enjoying Rocky Talkie, please help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the show. It makes the podcast more accessible to new listeners, which really helps us grow the show. And if you want even more Rocky Talkie content, check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Rocky Talkie Podcast. We'll see you next week. Bye! See ya! For example, the cuppy... What the, what's SFDF? Science fiction double feature. <laughs>